everyone, you are tuning in to Learn FM. I'm Lisa Gärtner and together we are going on some exciting learning adventures through this podcast. We get to discuss topics related to learning, growth, personal development and more. I hope you take the time to digest the information that we will be sharing and start applying some simple tips and tricks into your daily life. And of course, very important, do not forget to share your learnings with others because when we learn together, we grow together. Let's take some time off screen to listen to this or even go outside for a walk. And of course, always be mindful of your surroundings and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by DSM, a global, purpose-led, science-based company in nutrition, health, bioscience and sustainable living. Applying science to improve the health of people, animals and the planet. DSM's purpose is to create brighter lives for all. In today's episode, we dive into the field of global business services, short GBS. GBS has been generally known as a business model to consolidate and standardize business processes across multiple functions and geographic regions with the aim of achieving operational efficiency, cost savings and improved service delivery. So much about its theory. But what do shared service centers and outsourcing networks really mean in practice for companies? other than optimizing the operations and staying competitive in today's global marketplace. That is exactly what we are going to find out together. With our guest Manoj Kalra, Head of Global Business Services located at DSM in India, we get to explore the reasons for GBS not just becoming an increasingly popular business model, but also its rise as an industry on its own. Manoj, it is so great to officially welcome you as my guest. Thank you so much. And it's a privilege to be on this podcast. Looking forward to the questions that you're going to ask me. Yes, me too, definitely. And of course, our LearnFM podcast wouldn't be the same without getting to know our guests a little bit better. So I'm curious, what's the most interesting thing about you that most people don't know? All right. Now that's an intriguing question. Let me start by giving a few various facets. Number one, what many people don't know is I was born in Nigeria and I've spent my childhood over there, which I think for me is the really foundation of appreciating diversity. Number two, foundationally, from a qualification perspective, I'm a chartered accountant, so I am a finance professional. And number three, I'm so intrigued by processes and how things are broken up that I think that also became my segue into the world of GBS. But through this journey of growing up in Nigeria, studying in India, and, and, and working in, in an industry like GBS, I also got an opportunity to almost travel more than 40 countries around the world and, and work in various countries, which I think gave me the global exposure of what life has to offer. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> Three top most interesting things about you. Thank you. And what about the most adventurous thing you've ever done? Ooh. So there is a city in Philippines called Oslob. It is a, a few hours drive from a city called Cebu in Philippines. And... What happens in Oslo is every day in the morning, you have whale sharks coming because okay, the fishermen yeah. have been attracting those whale sharks. So it's a guaranteed dive with whale sharks. Now, I am a certified scuba diver. And one of the things I've been fortunate to do is to dive with whale sharks. 
and have six or seven of them swirling around me and my ability to sit on the base of the of the ocean and just see them and see them in awe and appreciate the creation the the, the creation of nature mm-hmm. was i think one of the most amazing experiences that i've had and uh, if there's one thing that always comes back to me when this question is asked is exactly this experience i absolutely agree with you i'm also a certified scuba diver and it's it's a different world it's really magical exactly <laughs> thanks <laughs> and last but not least What would be a famous local dish I must try when visiting India? All right, come over here and have the samosa. A fried... <laughs> samosa, yeah. Samosa. It's spicy, it's nice, and, uh, and it's easy to eat. So be my guest when you're here. Good that I love spicy. Thanks for the tip. I will definitely put that on my to-do list. Sure. Somanosh, please take us briefly through your personal journey. How did you get into the field of global business services? I know you touched upon it already, but give us a brief summary. So I qualified as a chartered accountant and I went into a traditional finance role and this was in the late 90s. Now, when I started performing as a finance officer, as a finance manager, there was just something about it which wasn't exciting or there was something missing. Mm-hmm. And parallelly during that time, there were companies that are setting up their back office in India, uh, companies like GE and American Express. And when I would talk to some of my friends who were working there, they would tell me the kind of work they were doing. And I was very intrigued. I was really intrigued mm-hmm. on how we break complex processes into smaller bits and manage it like a supply chain. And I think somewhere while I'm a finance professional, there's also an engineer in me, which kind of mm-hmm. brought that you know spark as I started thinking about it. And that's what led me into my first role as a finance supervisor in a shared service center in a company called Agilent Technologies. And I think that's where I hit my sweet spot. I saw the magic that can be created by breaking these processes, creating a process out of them and and creating a chain of events that eventually leads you to the outcome in a much more streamlined manner. That's the Thank beginning and that's much. how exa- exactly I got it. So it's more than two decades back, but uh, that's exactly how I got into it. And you mentioned Spark and I guess it's also your level of curiosity to think and look outside your accountant box and get into a different field. Definitely. And, you know, Spark has been keeping me alive for more than 20 years now. And, uh, you know, beyond finance, moving into HR, IT, procurement, analytics, all the other functions that can be supported. It's just been an interesting journey. Definitely seems like you found your purpose. Yes. <laughs> and sure. as a senior leader of GPS, what are some of your key responsibilities? And what would you say are the most challenging aspects of your role? So, you know, from the outside, GPS sounds very simple. Just hire a few people and get them to do some work in an offshore location. It's not that easy. There's a lot that mm-hmm. goes up in setting the strategic direction and, and making sure that it emulates and matches with the company's overall vision and mission. Beyond that, there's also driving performance. And you have to drive performance mm-hmm. by creating a purpose. If you've got hundreds of people reporting into you and they all need to work in a certain manner, it requires rigor, discipline, training, and a purpose, which has to be created by, you know, people in my role. Mm-hmm. Stakeholders becomes a major component of our day-to-day work where we really have to manage our stakeholders because they are trusting GBS to get the work done on a day-to-day basis while they're focusing the stakeholder on Stakeholder management being exactly. the key, right? Exactly. Here, yeah. But beyond all this, there are two things that really keep us busy day in and day out. One is leading change. GBS is generally a very young population and is very... Um, pro-change and helps us in driving change so that that ability to drive change comes from GBS. But above all is developing talent. 
the foundation mm-hmm. of GBS's people, getting the right people in, getting them trained, making them part of the organization and making them live for that purpose and work for the purpose is where the fun is. And that's what keeps us awake all night. But if you've got a good team, Thank things will go on well. Thank you. It's all about the people. Our people are the heart and the core of the business. Yeah, yeah. So I'm also curious, how do you balance the need for standardization consistency across different regions? I mean, you already mentioned the regional setups with the need to be flexible and adaptable to local business requirements, but also cultural differences. How do you do that? So Lisa, there's a myth out there in the industry that GBS means India or Philippines or Romania or one of these locations. GBS is very global in nature. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a lot of activities that are run by technology or by people in a cookie cutter format, which is easier to offshore and centralize in an area. There are a lot of activities that require a high touch with your customer, um, a high level of local knowledge of language, a high uh, degree of discussion with your stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And that's where your other centers around the world come in. So when you create your GBS model, it's important to have a combination of high touch, low touch, less complex, high complex. And in that matrix of two by two, you really start positioning your activities and your talent based on the time zone, location, cost, and ability to create a backup so that the work never stops. And that's where that business model comes into place. So a healthy mix of all the ingredients you just mentioned, it seems like, right? Correct. And since we are all still dealing with the post-pandemic aftermath, are there any particular changes coming to your mind for GPS as a result of COVID-19 pandemic? How has your team adapted to those changes? Here's the interesting anecdote. Companies that had a strong GBS during COVID were able to keep their performance up and moving. Again, because we talked about change and the ability to be change you know, uh, ready, the companies that had a strong GBS were quickly able to adapt to the new situation. They were able to sort of mobilize their forces and get moving on this. Companies that did not have a GBS struggled in getting that done. And post the pandemic, there has been a huge surge in the demand and the need for having a strong shared services GBS organization, whether it's outsourced or insourced or, you know, managed, but companies have felt the strong need for it. And I think that's what's pivoted from COVID. Now, Mm -hmm. again, another myth is shared services is all about cost reduction. That's just one of those levers, which is perhaps the first lever that people look at. Shared services actually creates a whole platform of continuity of service, the ability to make changes quickly in an organization and switch over based on the strategy of the organization. So companies started seeing those benefits and now that's why it's evolved into an industry. And as I said, that's what's been keeping me working for more than two decades in this industry. And speaking of cost reduction, I also believe that one of the myths is certainly that people are being replaced, which I do strongly believe is also definitely not the case for GBS. What do you think about that? You always need people. Now, what changes in time is the skill sets that are needed to run. I'll give you mm-hmm. an example. Today, we have, we've adapted a lot of automation, which does a lot of work on its own. We have bots that do the work. Mm-hmm. Bots have replaced people. There's no doubt in that. What has replaced is also people have been able to upskill themselves to build the bots and to manage the bots, which is far more richer than doing the work. And people have really seen an elevation in their career. They've seen more skill sets getting added and adding a lot more value to the work that they're doing. So as we have evolved, um, skill sets are being replaced. Skill sets are getting enhanced. And what Mm -hmm. makes a genius really great is if you can keep educating and upskilling your own people 
because all this is new technology. People are not born with this technology. They are learning it. Exactly. So why don't you train exactly. your own people who understand your organization, who understand the what is required? They're the ones who pick it up quickly and they actually become your next layer of talent to deliver on what is required. Definitely. And also freeing up yeah, transactional work and giving them more focus on different tasks that Correct. are maybe more fulfilling. I think Correct. that is very Correct. important more too. More fulfilling and, more, and adding more value to the business and, exactly. uh, and providing a lot more services you know, back to the business. And now looking to the near future with you, what are some of the trends and developments that you see shaping the GBS industry within the next few months or years? And how is your team preparing for those opportunities, but also maybe challenges? So there are three things that are going to drive GBS for the future. Number one is purpose. That is over and above everything else. I think every GBS needs to understand their purpose and it has to be associated with your parent company. But the second and third thing is your people and technology. Technology is playing a major role in driving how we serve our businesses for the future. Your technology mm -hmm. stack has become an important piece of how you interact, how you serve, and, and how you really perform your activities. Your service desk that you approach to, the bot that you interact with, your ability to put in requests into the system, your ability to contact a human if the bot is not responding, your ability to be reminded about your key activities, which are important, All this is driven through technology. Mm -hmm. By the same time, you need people to do this. And to have exactly. that ability of people to do that is a key component. Another big switch that I've seen happening over the last 10 to 15 years is the appreciation for talent to run this. In the past, it was taken for granted that anybody would work even the graveyard shift to be able to serve their customer. But now we have gone through a couple of generations of talent. Now we actually follow the sun. So we really follow the sun to make sure that our people are working during their daytime hours and mm -hmm. are able to serve their customers within their time zone, or they're actually serving the customers in a contrary time zone so that by the time your customers wake up, they have the solution in their inbox. Yeah. And that's, that's really becoming the shift here. The third piece, which I see is the use of AI, chat, GPT, et cetera, which is now really redefining the way we are going to start providing service. I mean, when you use these tools, you can clearly see that this is going to be the future. Mm -hmm. And how do we develop the talent to be able to use these tools to serve our customers is going to be the new challenge. Putting yourself in your team members' shoes, do you think they believe that AI like ChatGPT creates any concerns for them to be replaced at some point in the near future? Lisa, before I answer this question, let me ask you a few questions. Okay. When was the first time you watched a movie at home? Do you remember? I must have been very little, yeah. Do you remember how you watched a movie? Was it on a video cassette recorder, VCR? For sure. Right? Do you remember the size of the VCR and those big cassettes that used to come and we used to put them yes. in and play them? I still have them at home. Yeah. Then what happened? How did you start watching videos after that? Do you remember the VCD that came at home? The VCD player? Yeah. Shortly and being replaced. Right. And a Bollywood movie is normally three hours. So we needed three VCDs to play one movie at that <laughs> Then came the DVD player, if you remember, yeah. a, a yeah. movie getting, you know, kind of into one DVD. Mm -hmm. And then came streaming, online streaming. We got our iPods, we got our phones and we've moved on. The point I'm trying to make is change is inevitable and life has moved on and we have all moved on. We cannot go imagine going back to watching a movie on a VCR. We can't mm -hmm. imagine going back to typing letters on a typewriter. Life has moved on. 
Similarly, AI is just a movement along with it. This is not the end. This is not the beginning. But what this means is that people will evolve, their skill sets will evolve, and it will redefine the way we work. So I don't see any reason why we should fear about, you know, how this can impact us. Rather, it should excite us that there's something new to learn and there is something new to give back to our customers and use mm -hmm. a tool which can really change the way we provide service back to our customers. That's how I would so answer the question. Embracing the opportunities ahead of us. Let's embrace it, right? There is no point of uh, fearing it. And since you're already placing quite a lot of emphasis on people, which I really love to hear, and as a learning and development enthusiast, both professionally and personally myself, I'm also very curious to hear from your people manager perspective. When it comes to leading others, how do you successfully build and manage teams across multiple regions and functions? The foundation is trust. Once you have built a team and you've hired somebody in your team, the foundation is trust that whoever you've hired for whatever the work that needs to be done will be done. That being the foundation, what we need to also have is one, a regular ability of upskilling and training mm -hmm. and making sure that the person is really up to speed, the colleague is up to speed. Second is monitoring and the ability to give feedback on whether the individual is on the right track or not. And the third part is the whole purpose that I talked about, associating with the purpose, because mm -hmm. that's what really drives the performance. You cannot expect people to just do a job in and out. They need to associate with a much larger purpose. And I think being able to, to drive that purpose on what we exist for is an important piece. But along with that, we also have to realize that with every year passing by Lisa, mm -hmm. the age between us who are managing people and the inflow of the new batch is increasing by one year. Mm -hmm. which means we have to wear the hat of our new new batches that are joining us, you know, Absolutely. who are in their early 20s, mid 20s, and understand what motivates them and what are they looking for. Exactly. Put ourselves in their shoes, right? To exactly. be really empathetic. So empathy is key there as well. Exactly. Today, people want to be trained. They want access to knowledge. They want it on their fingertips. They want it at disposal. Just like an, I can watch a movie on Netflix at, at my convenience, Yeah. I also want to be trained at my convenience. Mm -hmm. How do I provide that tools and that, that solution to my colleagues? How do I make sure it's relevant? How do I link that to their goals? How do I make sure that along with this, they also get the opportunity of getting trained in person? Because exactly. there's a human touch. Right? And we lost the human touch during COVID. We realized the importance of it. How do we find the right balance between both of them and make sure that it's, it's well gelled in between? We all know that there's a hybrid way of working. We've all realized the power of working from home. At the same time, we see the importance of coming to office. How do we find the right balance between them where we respect people's personal needs as well as professional obligations that they have to provide? And how do we give that fine balance to them while managing and training them? That's the other aspect of, of managing you know, people today. And the third part is, how do we make sure that the trust is constantly built mm -hmm. and the tools and mechanisms and a value system that continuously enhances the trust that we have amongst ourselves? The last thing that I would like to do is to mm -hmm. be micromanaging everybody. That's not my job. No, yeah. my job is to set a direction and people then do the work that they expected to exactly. do. Exactly. To build That's, the frame that they know they have the, the frame and within that frame they can be free and open to take initiative. Correct. So I think we always emphasize to find your spark and own your development. So this is very important. And let's say I'm interested in pursuing a career in global business services. What advice would you give me? What skills and experience do I need in order to be successful? 
First, I think there's a foundational skill that everybody has. It could be finance, it could be procurement, IT, any any of those skills. But along with that, what is needed is an ability to manage cross-culturally and appreciate because you may be working with customers across the world from different countries. The second piece is a knack for technology because what GPS brings is your ability to adapt new technology quickly. Take, for example, you want to launch a new ERP in finance. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine a world where you've got 100 offices around the world and every office has one accountant and they're not centralized. Imagine the pain of rolling out the ERP in that situation, whereas Mm -hmm. you actually have... Um, 80 accountants in one location and maybe 20 regional accountants spread across and then see how it is. So in order to roll out those tools, you need that knack of technology. You need that ability to understand how technology supports your skill set. And the third part is your ability to communicate. I think mm-hmm. that that is needed because those skills are important to be able to thrive in this in this industry. But I also would like to say that if none of these exist, come in as a trainee GBS is a ground where you actually get trained on these aspects. You mm-hmm. understand what it is to work cross-culturally. You understand where it is to, you know, adapt technology. And, you know, we understand people are learning. We give that space for people to learn so that they can actually grow up in, in this career. Sounds like a wonderful and healthy mix between hard and soft skills. Definitely. So interpersonal skills do seem to be an important factor for GBS. Correct. It is. So, Manosh, completely openly and transparently, how does a day as global head of GBS look like? Well, Lisa, along with the global head of GBS, I'm also a human being and there are other priorities other than work. And for me, I see them as one, my hobbies, mm-hmm. two, my family and three, my work. I think fitness is a big part of your hobbies where I, I definitely make sure that uh, I'm a morning person. So I get up very early in the morning at around 5 a.m. and I make sure that I, I go through my fitness routine. Um, so you joined the 5 a.m. club, the famous 5 a.m. Uh, yes, club, yes, right? Yes, it's, you know, just get it done in the morning. Don't yeah. don't push it to the later part of the day. Otherwise, it's never going to happen. Same. So eat your frog in the morning, as they say, right? Exactly. Um, get that done, you know, and then back before the kids are ready to go to school so I can actually see them off to school if I'm not traveling and say bye to them. And then starts your general day once you've kind of finished off your morning routines and then it goes to there where you actually see how was yesterday in GBS? How did everything go? Look at your daily dashboard, look at your metrics, make sure that everything is going as per plan. Um, mm-hmm. Getting back to our strategic initiatives, going through our meeting calendars and making sure that everything is going well, attending to the priorities of the day. But above all is I give myself, you know, some time during the day to really connect with not just stakeholders within the company, but peers mm-hmm. in the industry. Because that's really what keeps you going on what's happening. And that also helps me in in building my connect within the industry. Mm-hmm. So this is typically so how we're talking about the network, really the GPS network. Correct. And apart from your sportive activities, I also know that you are very engaged and active on social media and indeed a true knowledge sharing, continuous learning advocate. But how do you manage to stay up to date with the latest development in the industry? You know, coming on social media wasn't easy. It takes efforts to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Put yourself on LinkedIn and write. Uh, writing itself took quite an effort to be able to write and put it out there. Earlier, you know, my fingers would tremble or I would be a little nervous before doing this. But over a period of time, you start mastering it and you develop a routine around that. But one thing leads to the other. As I started making myself present on social media and sharing my thoughts, people actually started reaching out to me and say, can we talk? 
Mm-hmm. And then along with that, there are also industry forums, which I'm part of, like the SSO. I'm, an, I'm part of the Global Advisory Board of SSO and Shared Services Outsourcing Network. In India, there's a forum called NASCOM. I'm part of the Global Capability Center forum that advises and works with the government in, in, in defining industry standards. Mm-hmm. And there's a conference board in Europe, which I'm also part of. So these are forums where you actually come talk to your peer group, understand what's happening, What's the latest technology? And you have a lot of technology service providers that keep coming and trying to sell their products, which mm-hmm. gives you insight into what's happening. So all this information then needs to be distilled into what makes sense for your current role and what makes sense for your set of current customers. And I think that's where you know your team and you start coming together and really saying, okay, this is the technology that makes sense for GPS mm-hmm. or substreams. This is the people practices that make sense. These are the processes and the way forward that we would do. And this may be, you know, cutting edge for the future. So I think that's where part of the day goes in really redefining and distilling all this information that comes from these forums. Yeah, and this perfectly highlights the importance of knowledge sharing, right? It's not all about competition. It's really you can learn from other companies within the industry And I love to call it, yes, it's a network and the purpose of it is to network with other organizations, but I rather call it a community, really build a knowledge community and foster this knowledge transformation. Yeah, what worked for us yesterday will not work for us tomorrow. And you need to be able to preempt that and be ready for that. If you're going to stick to what worked yesterday, then we're not going to move forward. What is the most important lesson you've learned in your career as senior head of GBS? How has it transformed your overall approach to leadership and management? And has your leadership style maybe changed over time? I think my biggest lesson that I've had is it changes inevitable. Mm-hmm. And in the earlier part of my career, if I was resistant to change, I burnt my fingers there. So change is inevitable and you have to be the ambassador and the enabler rather than to be somebody who's resisting change. That's one big part that I've learned. The second part on the leadership front is you have to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. People want to be part. People want to see be seen as welcomed into the team. And the more inclusive you are with the right set of values and direction, the more you can lead your team. The more directional you are or the more dictatorial you are, the more you're going to have only an army of people that are doing things, but not really coming out with innovative ideas and new ways of doing things. So that's where the difference comes. If you really want innovation, you want new ideas, you have to be inclusive. You have to bring them on. And that's a leadership style that stays on for quite a while. And also accept the mindset that is necessary for that, right? It's not just like a one-time behavior. It's really a change of mindset. Correct. Definitely. And one final question to wrap up our wonderful conversation today. For some final words, thoughts or personal advice. What is the key learning message you would like our learning audience to take away from today's episode? You have to focus throughout your journey of life. You have to focus on your body, on your soul and on your mind. Don't create an imbalance by focusing only on one. Mm -hmm. If you can give equal importance to these three things, you will definitely do well wherever you are. And when I say, well, I'm not comparing you with any other person. You need to compare yourself. How were you yesterday versus how are you today? So don't try to burn yourself by trying to compete with others. Just compete with yourself. Today should be better than yesterday. Thank you so much for those wonderful words, Manosh. It was also an absolute pleasure to have you here as our guest. And thanks for being with us. And greetings from Austria to India. Thank you. Thank you so much. And looking forward to having a samosa with you whenever you're in India here. Yes, absolutely. Take care. Thank you so much.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Learn FM. If you have some hot topic ideas or a particular guest speaker that you would enjoy listening to, you might want to be one of my guests in a future episode yourself, or you just want to leave some feedback about this podcast, then please feel free to drop us a message under learn at dsm.com. And don't forget to share what you have learned from this podcast with others, because when we learn together, we grow together. <laughs>